Hey folks, I hope you're having a great night. We're going to go ahead and do an episode of Intelligame Rewind. So we're going to roll back and listen to one of our old favorites from back in the Intelligame archives. I hope you enjoy it. Hey folks, what's going on? Just wanted to let you know, Intelligame is on location again. I'm actually at JFK International Airport right now. I just touched down in New York. And I am here for the Game Devs of Color Expo that's going to be taking place Saturday in Harlem. If you're in the New York area, I totally recommend you check it out. Uh, you can go to gdocexpo.com to learn more about it or just throw Game Devs of Color Expo into your favorite search engine. In the meantime, while we're here, I'm definitely looking forward to sharing more interesting game conversations with you. Feel free to hit that call-in button if you have any questions or concerns. But otherwise, I will talk to you a little bit later. Hey everybody, it's Friday, June 23rd, 2017. Welcome to another edition of Intelligame Radio. I'm your host, Josh Boykin. New York's been a really interesting place, folks. I've caught up with old friends, seen great sights, and I've had a lot of really interesting conversations about gaming. Now, it seems like I tend to light up a bit whenever I talk about GDOC. So even though I touched on it a little bit before, I wanted to give an overview of how I feel about Game Devs of Color Expo for folks who might not be familiar or who may be in the area and want to know more about whether they should attend. Now, to give a little bit of backstory, I should, I'm, I'm going to rewind to Xbox's Gaming for Everyone event that they hosted during GDC this year. Uh, they partnered up with a group called Blacks and Gaming, and they held, uh, hosted fireside chats with established industry professionals, and also had networking opportunities for attendees. Now, black people weren't the only one who were able to attend, uh, but having a black-dominated space was a welcome experience for many of us. It gave us a chance to learn from each other and relax, particularly compared to GDC as a whole. Now, Xbox released a video of highlights of that event to their 2 plus million subscriber YouTube channel. Now, when I checked just uh, a couple hours ago, the video had 28,501 views. Of those views, it got 4,000 thumbs down clicks compared to the 873 ups. And I didn't get in before the comments closed, but word is that the comments were super toxic. Now, we've seen campaigns like this before when the Ghostbusters, uh, the new Ghostbusters trailer came out and the massive thumbs downs and the, and the toxicity that resulted. Um, I don't think that saying that racism or discrimination in the gaming space, um, I, I don't think talking about that is a false statement. And particularly in the politically hypercharged climate that we've had over the past few months, hostilities have manifested in really ugly ways. Now, this is part of why Game Devs of Color Expo is so important. It provides a space for people to celebrate and highlight the works of people of color, not just discuss problems in the industry, uh, but also celebrating those successes as well. Now, this is GDOC's second year, and this time it's being hosted at the Schomburg Center for Black Research in Harlem. And this is not a minor conference, folks. Like, it's being sponsored by big names like Xbox, GitHub, MailChimp, and Mozilla. Now, more exciting than the sponsors, though, are the attendees. People are flying in from all over the world. Um, it was organized by Kat Small and Chris Algu, who I believe are part of Brooklyn Gamery, um, and alongside a small events team. 
but they're going to have speakers like Sean Allen Alexander from New Challenger. He's working on Treachery and Beatdown or Treachery and Beatdown City. Uh, Tanya DePass from I Need Diverse Games. Uh, game dev uh, designer and artist Dina Abdukaram, and even nerdcore rapper Samus is going to be there. And they're going to have an over 30 game arcade. So, I mean, there's a lot to be really excited about. Considering the success of events like GamerX, I think it's really great to have galvanizing spaces for marginalized communities. These kinds of events help give confidence to people who are up and coming and part of those communities. And also provides inroads to help make the industry more connected, more diverse, and an overall better place. If you want to learn more about it, um, swing on over to gdocexpo.com. Uh, and if you've got any questions or comments, feel free to leave them here on the channel. And keep an eye out for more information. I'll be posting on Anchor.fm live fr well from the event tomorrow, uh, so you can get some information that way as well. Hey everybody, I'm on site at the Game Devs of Color Expo, and after the first micro talk, uh, I, I was kind of disappointed to not be able to hear from Yasmin. Uh, it seemed like they were going to have some really awesome things to talk about, and since they didn't have a chance to talk on stage, I wanted to make sure that there was a chance for them to talk on Intelligame Radios. So, uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you, John. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and thank you for having me on the show. Yeah. So, uh, what you had brought up the idea of dealing with being a creative while also dealing with chronic illness. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you were planning on talking about? Yeah, sure. So, game dev is already super stressful. People already expect you to be up all night, expect you to meet strenuous deadlines, etc., etc. And that's really difficult, not as just like a, like a healthy person, but like as a person with chronic illness, it is really difficult. And so I kind of learned a lot of lessons from Four Horsemen, thanks to this game, which was like the first game that I was working pretty much full-time on. Uh, I learned a lot of things, and the first thing that's the most important thing is to communicate. It can be really hard at first to talk to people and give the details of your illness, but if you just broach that subject right away with your team, or at least the director you're going to be working with, uh, that makes things so much easier for everybody, especially yourself, because there's like no confusion, there's no like hiding your illness, which a lot of times like we feel compelled to do. Um, you can be upfront about if you need to miss a day. For example, if I have a seizure and I need to miss a meeting, like like uh, the director, Kevin Chen, he already knows what's up. He already knows. I just email him like, hey, Kevin, I had a seizure. There's no surprise there. You know, he's able to work with my needs for my illness. And I also, um, it, it helps like when I need to add for like, an extension for something like that. Like just being upfront, like it's difficult at first, but if you do that, it makes it so much easier for you to work and for your team to work with you. Sure. So that's the most important part. I would say the second part is as soon as you establish those needs with your director and your team, make sure you take care of them. Make sure you do everything that you need to do to stay alive and stay healthy. Like as important as a project is, nothing is more important than your well-being and your health and your livelihood. Um, if it's not, if you're not doing that, if you're not taking care of yourself, like even the project's really important to you, you might not even be around to make that project because you're. 
you know, and, and God forbid. Right. Yeah, exactly. So like these things are really easy to ignore when you're so hyper focused on getting things done. But you really need to take a step back and be like, these are my needs. I need to do this for me. Like my seizures are triggered by like dehydration, stress, lack of sleep, which are all things you're gonna encounter, <laughs> of course, right? And game dev. So I encounter all those things and they're very triggering for me, but I had to learn like just take a minute replenish yourself and do what you need to do and that way you are healthier you live and you can create better work if you're not so stressed out about whether or not you're going to have a seizure or whatever else sure I mean it seems and you did kind of bring up that key point that it's already an expectation in game dev that you're going to have sleep deprivation issues you can end up not taking care of your body uh, and I think particularly when dealing with a chronic illness you know all of those things are magnified um, even just working as a project manager I could see the way that my thought processes and everything would start to decline if I wasn't taking care of myself so I think it's great that you brought up or hopefully you know we're able to bring up a little bit of how to take care of yourselves in these situations uh, why I guess talk a little bit about particularly at an expo like this you know particularly when you're dealing with people from marginalized backgrounds why those discussions are important and and unfortunately this we're about to break mid-segment so you got about 30 seconds before we'll take a break and jump over to the next one uh, maybe it would be better to take a break because I have so much to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and let's carry this over into segment two. All right. So yeah, let's uh, let's come back and talk a little bit about why it's important, particularly to talk about self care at a show like Game Devs of Color Expo. And I'm here again with Yasmin. Thank you so much for uh, for joining. Thank you. So the interesting thing about talking about. Uh, having chronic illness at this particular expo is because it's another category of marginalization that people experience, especially if you are of color with illness. And to me, it feels like all of these things are extension of trying to make your voice heard, whether it's about your race or your culture or your needs or whatever you're experiencing. And one of the things that I didn't really get to bring up that I really wanted to was to make sure that your voice is heard throughout your team and to make sure that your team respects your voice as who you are and as like multiple parts of your identity and that comes through by expressing your need and making sure that they're met. Um, I also think that there's it's really really hard to be a person of color with illness because it's just like another way that people really don't respect you in a lot of the ways and that's why like it's important for us to have these conversations to be like hey like we're here and we're people too and you need to treat us like you would anyone else right. really I and mean, there are so many situations where at a uh, a less focused convention where you know you end up scraping the surface of discussions about uh, diversity or about you know self-care or whatnot but the idea of being in a space where you can really dig into where all of those things play against each other right and the emotional labor that comes from being marginalized and working in these environments I have to imagine that plays a factor in adding to the stress that can trigger some of those issues as well yeah, and I, that's why I really like this expo, or one of the reasons why, is because like we're already established. Like, this is the game developers of color 
expo. Like, there's a certain level of like understanding there where like we don't have to just spend all that time barely scraping the surface. Like, a lot of us experience these issues. We like already kind of know what's up, so we can get into the deeper conversations that usually just get kind of brushed under the rug because we spend so much time having to educate people on like the most basic shit. So it is really nice to kind of have this conversation and be like, okay, so what are what are the roots here? How do these things interact? What is it like to not just be a, a dev of color, but a dev of color with illness? What is it like to be a dev of color and also trans or non-binary? Like, there's so much more depth to this conversation, and being here at this conference feels like we can get there. We don't have to just kind of play around with, oh, well, you shouldn't do this or do that <laughs> to another person, like that kind of thing. Oh, that's great. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your project then, okay. right? Uh, Four Horsemen is a visual novel? Mm -hmm. It's a visual novel with simulation game elements. Basically, you play as these four kids who discover like a uh, World War II bunker, and they decide like, oh, we're gonna make this our clubhouse. The thing is, the kids are a minority uh, living in a, a society that is hostile to their particular minority. And every time you play the game, uh, your race actually changes. And so you will have one playthrough where your particular race and one race is discriminated against you, and then you'll play the next time, and they're flipped. Or, oh, wow. Yeah, that happens. And so you get to experience that actually racism and prejudice is very universal. It doesn't just exist in a vacuum or in one particular place. So you play as these kids who are like in their teens trying to like find themselves just, you know, already, but also having to deal with being in a hostile society and what that means. And there's a lot of themes about like legacy and like passing and what it means to be this, what it means to be that. Like there's a lot there and only doing multiple playthroughs where you experience the prejudice from multiple sides will you finally see the whole picture. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, well, thank you so much for giving that breakdown. Uh, for folks who are excited about it like I am, how do we, uh, how do we find out more information about you and about the game? Well, um, the game is available on itch.io, so you can just search for our Four Horsemen and you will find it. And it's also going to go up on Steam pretty soon. We just Congrats. got greenlit, thank you. Um, and that's pretty much the main ways to find the game. You can always look me up on the internet. I'm always really happy to have these kinds of conversations. So if you just search Yasmin Nomorado, you'll find me. Okay. All right, well, thank you so much for your time, Yasmin. It's been really fantastic talking with you. Thank you so much. It's been fantastic talking with you, too. <laughs> of Color Expo is actually almost over. It seems like it's gotten, it's wrapping up just as soon as it started, but it's been a really fantastic convention. I've played some really great games. I did some time with The Ultimate Clapback, a card game that essentially it's, allows people to insult each other back and forth until one of them deems the other the winner. Uh, I played some Treachery in Beatdown City which is a mashup of a sort of final fight, side-scrolling beat-em-up, and a turn-based RPG um, that relies pretty heavily on political satire, and that was really cool. Also really enjoyed Card Witch. Uh, they only had the battle system on test, but it essentially is Mega Man Battle Network. Uh, takes that card, takes that system of uh, using a six by three grid, and it it's weird to describe with audio, but uh, if you are a fan of Mega Man Battle Network, you should look up Card Witch. And uh, yeah, that, that's been pretty great. There have been a lot of really interesting games all over the place. 
have also been some really interesting talks too. Uh, there have been just uh, there was a series of micro talks. Uh, Ethan Red did an amazing micro talk about essentially staying inspired and his backstory and the work that he's done to get to where he's gotten um, as a visual artist and uh, and consultant. And then also there was a great talk about character design, and it was nice because it went beyond the idea of make sure you have diverse characters. Uh, Tanya to pass for my need diverse games and uh, Alex or Skaldella Krem on Twitter was able to they, they were all able to uh, have these discussions that basically took it an extra level. They talked about lighting systems and how if your lighting isn't tested for dark uh, for people of darker skins that it can create issues. They talked about portrayals of Arab characters in gaming and the ways that those portrayals have changed over time. They've talked about uh, they talked about black hair and the ways that having hairstyles that feel representative make a more rounded experience, and the ways that having various you know people of various backgrounds to actually help with those situations and those portrayals make games stronger. And these are the kinds of conversations that you can have, particularly in a space that is dedicated to highlighting discussions of people of color. So it's been really, really refreshing and really energizing to be at Game Devs of Color Expo. Um, I'm gonna head back and figure out what the wrap up is and hopefully I'll be able to get a couple more interviews for you folks here on Anchor. Uh, but you can keep an eye out on Let's in at Let's Intelligame on Twitter if you're looking for more information or you can follow my personal account at Wallstormer. Looking forward to catching up with you soon. All right, everybody, still at GDOC and was able to track down Ethan Red, who gave this really awesome talk earlier um, on just sort of a, a combination of background and experience, but also just the ability to, to have resilience in the industry, which was really awesome. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for talking with me for a bit. Oh, thanks for having me. So uh, for folks who weren't able to, or maybe have not seen the video on demand or weren't watching the stream, what did you talk about? Uh, so basically, I was gonna talk about low poly initially and just like getting into the art scene, but I was told it might be more interesting if I talk about myself. So I basically gave sort of a hybrid of my life story and the lessons that it taught me, and I tried to put it in a format where people could make it work for themselves. Because um, I feel like it's uninteresting just to talk about yourself. You know, <laughs> I don't want to be up there ten minutes talking about like why Ethan Red is so great. You know, in fairness, though, I mean to give respect to the subject, right? Like your background, particularly working as a developer, is not like very many others. I mean, you talked about like living out of a car. You talked about like using your sister's computer like late at night when she was at work, so that you, or when she was working on her grad work, so that because that was the amount of struggle that you were able or willing to put in to create your game. Yeah, I just feel like um, for me, it's this is like what I've always wanted to do. So it's just, I'm willing to take it there, you know? <laughs> like, I feel like people should just ask themselves like how far they're willing to go. And then once you have that answer, no matter how far or not it is, just gotta live honestly with yourself. Sure. So, I mean, you do work beyond just uh, game creation now, right? You said, what, uh, where all are you, does your work expand to? 
Okay, so um, recently I actually animated a music video for Dero. Oh, for, um, yeah, for his latest song, uh, Surrounded. Okay. I did pretty much all the visual work on that, so that was fun. Um, other than that, I'm starting my company, Virtuoso, which is basically about just promoting optimism and like colored life and vibrancy through the art that we make and like there's sort of a, a retro inspiration to it like we love the aesthetics of like the 90s and the late 80s but like we're trying to make like neo media you know it's like taking that attitude of like the world is good and the future is bright and expressing that today so yeah and that runs in a pretty stark contrast to a lot of games that we play now with you know very dark color schemes and gritty and the world is ending and i mean I kind of maybe felt that way in November, but like, <laughs> uh, but I, I appreciate that you're taking this this tone of optimism. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the, that's what we need. You know, the world isn't ending. We just have work to do. You know, and I feel like everybody wants to feel sorry for themselves. Like this kind of the tone in media nowadays is like irony and cynicism and just like mass like just shitty attitudes. <laughs> so I feel like it, you can't work from that. And I want. I want to inspire people the way I've been inspired in life, and I want to give that back to the world. So you can't do that by just like constantly being Donnie Downer, you know? Yeah. So uh, let's see. So let's look at uh, what is a game that you've been looking at lately that you feel like channels some of those ideas, or a game that inspires you? Oh, man. Like, I don't play a lot of recent games, but this will sound like really counterintuitive, but I really feel like Doom gets this. <laughs> Doom is the most colorful game I've seen in a while, like probably years. Doom is like, down to its core, it's just so visceral. Like every single millisecond you're playing that game, it's taxing like your entire like engagement with it, you know? And I feel like uh, Doom, it's just so just alive, you know? And it's, it's a game that's kind of about death, but it embraces that entirely and builds a whole mood around it. And ultimately it's about the fight reflex instead of the flight reflex in, a, in, fear, in a, like dealing with fear. And I think that's like strangely empowering. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, let's do a segment break real quick because uh, I do want to ask you particularly about GDOC. And uh, yeah. All right, so Ethan, uh, we're here at Game Devs of Color Expo in particular. And I know I've seen you at other trade shows before, um, or I should say other industry shows. What do you feel like sets this one apart? Well, I think the focus on diversity of all sorts, like I'm seeing like people of color, I'm seeing women, I'm seeing like queer people, like there's every sort of just like diversity and different walks of life is just embraced here, and, like down to the core, like all the talks are being stenographed, is that the word? Uh, 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 real time? Yeah. I mean, that, that dude is like <laughs> the unsung hero here, because like right. he's getting to like real time. And then like you have so many games made by people of color and queer folk and you know, everybody. Mm -hmm. And like, it, it's just like baked right in, and it's such like an inclusive atmosphere, and that's so refreshing. Because like, especially like going to Indicate and GDC, they're doing better, but it's really not a focus there, and you do end up feeling like a token sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I've I've been to. I just came from E3 last week, and it's just that idea that you know, until uh, basically until they started selling Expo passes, real frequently I wouldn't see very many people of color at all. Right. Um, so having a space that is specifically to and like sitting down at practically any demo table and seeing people of color there, seeing panels where like. The entire panel is people of color, exactly. and they're like majority female. 
Yeah. yeah. And like, I think especially the low cost of entry here is a big factor because, yeah. you know, just like systematic whatever, like it's harder to shell out like a couple K for just a few days of a conference. Like right. here you can get in for 20 bucks. Um, my girlfriend got in for $5 because she's a student. Like that's so accessible. And like you get neighborhood people coming in and like seeing what the industry has to offer and then also seeing like themselves reflected in the industry. It's super empowering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the the really nice thing about events like this is that it gives people the opportunity to to make those inroads into the industry, or at least even just to get inspired to feel like they can create. Exactly. Yeah, and like you got it. Like I didn't have any heroes that looked like me in the industry. Like growing up, all of my heroes were like old Japanese dudes, and like yeah. that's fine. Like they're all great dudes, but like it's cool seeing so many black and brown folk like doing rad shit and just tearing it up. You know. Sure. So, uh, what's next for you? What are you, what are you working on? Where are you going? Well, right now, I'm trying to hunker back down on Blazing Legion Ignition, sort of like the main title that me and my new studio are, uh, <laughs> are focused on right now. Um, Talk a bit about it. It's, so, it's like, I don't want to give away too much because I'm holding this one close to the chest, but it's about four-story mechs and morality. And it's hopefully the start of a series. It's really invested in its own story and lore, and I'm trying to make like a really high-octane experience that also has a little bit of, like, emotional backing and thought behind it like it's an alt game that you don't know is an alt game wow. like you can have fun with it but then also you're feeling things sure. and then like the next thing in the pipe or like sort of concurrent with that is Kombacha which is a game about um, growing like evil scoby monsters in kombucha and world domination <laughs> and like capitalism so <laughs> this one's aimed for the normies but you can't tell <laughs> yeah all right so uh so for folks who are looking for your work uh or looking for you online where do they go uh, best place to get at me is Twitter, uh, just Ethan Red. I'm also on Instagram at Kid Rad, and uh, if you like Tumblr, Ethan Red there. And also uh, follow my new studio, Virtuoso Comms, on Twitter, and just uh, Virtuoso Official on Instagram. Sick. Yeah. Well, congrats on again an awesome talk, and uh, hopefully it, we at Intel Intelligame will link to the talk once uh, the VOD goes up. But Sick. keep up the awesome work, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So I'm at a coffee shop here in New York, and I'm hanging out with Sean Alexander Allen, one of the organizers for Game Devs of Color Expo. I uh, wanted to take some time this last night for me here in New York before heading back, and uh, wanted to just have a chance to kind of chat. We've run into each other at a couple of other shows before, but uh, it's nice to kind of just sit down and, and I guess, kind of cool down a little bit. So uh, thanks for joining me on the show. Yeah, of course, and it's great to be here, or thank you for coming to join me at the place where I work most days because office space is too expensive in the city, <laughs> and I can't always have uh, my coworker uh, Nico, coming out to Brooklyn to, because it's just a bit of a, bit of a ride, and also it's just kind of nice to be out of the house. Yeah, yeah. I've, been, uh, I've been finding that the, the traffic out here, like even just taking the subway, like it's convenient because you're not sitting in traffic, but... That doesn't mean that it's still not going to take you 45 minutes, an hour to get to where you're going. Yeah, exactly. We we both actually work together during the day, and then we just walk over here and then work on game dev stuff at night. So, uh, you know, you've been working on your project, Treachery and Beatdown City, for a long time. <laughs> uh, I left uh, working, I used to work at Rockstar Games, and I was... And I kind of started this game back in like 2009, and I left Rockstar in 2012 to work on it full time. And 
he was actually still working there doing like some game capture stuff for videos and and then while we were getting the game started in game maker so that's like five years ago oh. and uh, and I, I yeah and then I ended up like two years later doing a Kickstarter and then that was successful and then had a lot of ups and downs in life 2015 basically vanished and 2016, I think, was a understanding, like, game dev and understanding that we needed to work closer together because we lived near each other, but we would work far away from each other. And then, so then it was just like, yeah, let's let's come to coffee shops. Let's let's focus because, like, with with if I if I'm focusing on one thing and he's focusing on another thing, then we're not focusing on like what we're making together, which is funny because then I started working on the Game Devs of Color <laughs> Expo, which definitely took a lot of my bandwidth away. Also, yeah. while, you know, trying to live a normal human life and, you know, have a girlfriend and everything and just try not to burn myself out. Well, and that was going to be my next question. You've spent, I imagine, quite a few months paying attention to Game Devs of Color Expo. And yes, you're working on this game, but you also are a fairly outspoken critic of, well, everything. yeah, <laughs> a little, a little <laughs> bit industry, of everything. The, the quote-unquote industry. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, it's, I don't know where, I, I always say I don't really, I guess I get my, this weird entitlement to just giving my opinion to things from my mom. Like, my mom, like, to get me into college, uh, like, my mom's a white lady who came to New York who kind of, despite being super... Like, she came from a middle-class family, but when she came to New York, she had nothing. She came here to be a poet. Like, she started doing poetry or whatever. I don't know. She kind of has had depression my whole life, so never... We were always really poor. But my mom's that kind of, like, my tax dollars don't pay for this, and I would always be like, your tax dollars don't pay for anything. Tax dollars <laughs> pay for us to live. But whatever. But when I was going to college, going to school of visual arts, I wanted to go. I was like a thousand dollars short in loans the first year because I had like Pell Grant and all these other grants and, and a lot of loans, which haunt me to this day. But there was like a thousand dollars left or something. It wasn't a lot, right? And the guy was just like, I'm sorry, there's just like nothing else we can do. And my mom says, That is racist. You just don't want a poor black child in your program. And the dude, does a 180 in his chair, goes back to his computer, and is like, uh... <laughs> and here you go, you're okay. You just need to sign these papers. And it was not a good loan to take, but it's the loan that got me into school. It was a game, Yeah. Well, uh, I want to talk about how some, of that how some of that experience translated into the attitude that you've taken towards developing game devs of color and the projects that you've worked on. So let's take a quick segment break and we'll come back. So your mother already kind of started off and said like, well, it sounds like a case of squeaky wheel gets the grease. We let you know there's a problem and so now something gets done about it. How does that translate into the work that you do today? Yeah, I mean, I always I say like the the thing I got from my mom was her white privilege, <laughs> and I think that I mean it's like I notice uh, black and brown people often you know don't want to speak up in these predominantly white spaces. And GDC 2012 was my first year there, um, and I was 
kind of livid by the end of it because I was like, there's nobody here. This just seems like this weird place of opportunistic white men trying to rip and tear each other down to the ground in order to... Like, I ran into, like, a dude who tried to pitch me on this, like, Bob Mar game based on Bob Marley and called Bolt Riley, and I was like well, do you have any black people on your team? And he said, no, but we're trying to find some. And I'm like, well, you know Bob Marley's only really matters to black people, right? Like, my, like there's no white person who can appreciate Bob Marley. Because Bob Marley, like, trying to speak for, like, the freedom of all people. Like, that's, like, <laughs> it's, like it's super important. Like, yeah. if you don't have black people on a team, you don't have a game worth playing. Because you don't have anyone really invested in it, like people who, and like Bob Marley would probably have been like, "Nah, what are you doing, bro?" Um, <laughs> a lot smoother than that. What are you doing? Um, uh, <laughs> to some, to some. Um, so yeah, so like that GDC, like basically, I was kind of thinking about that this GDC because I finally got to do like a talk about marginalized characters in games and it took me three years of pitching it to the narrative summit to actually get it done so it's just been a big uphill battle i just started being like okay well i'm just gonna tell people how it is how i think it is sure. and i think also diving into like malcolm x and stuff has like taken me to that point because i feel like he cuts through bullshit like like the best of them yeah. and and even you know have an amazing arc in his life where he even learned that the things that he thought were the truths were not and then he would just talk he was just a habitual shit talker <laughs> and like like even like jackie robinson like he would talk mad shit to jackie robinson because he didn't agree with the way he was doing things because he was like i don't like like he's like screw all this like like non-violent like integration bullshit like he's like fine we can all be together in the end but, like, I'm not fighting to get into this thing. And even, like, Martin Luther King was like, we're integrating into a burning house. Like, all these people started coming to this realization where, I don't know if things... So, like, people who say a lot, I mean, they, they often die if they're saying the thing. But, like, you know, it's it's like if they're willing to, like, die for their... Like, like Muhammad Ali was willing to lose his life, metaphorically, but lost his title, lost everything, to just not go to a war he didn't agree with at least i could do in the games industry is talk about this stuff if i see myself as somehow i'm able to do it and people clap and then that's weird so then like i try to then meet people and then i started getting more kind of ag aggro with like just where are the black developers where are the brown developers and then when i would meet them i would shake their hands and be like you you belong here please do stuff and then like seeing the blacks and gaming stuff and actively going in there and like picking fights with people who wanted to talk about things like Bioshock Infinite which has like a lot of race problems with like white developers on the game and saying like no your opinions don't matter in a space of brown people they don't I'm sorry but I'm actually not sorry so um so I don't know like and I feel like this has somehow helped a lot of people feel that like this is even more necessary and the more people that keep getting involved and keep kind of saying oh yeah we do want to fight for this thing like that's just been pretty amazing and new york has a lot of people who like like cat small is you know one of those people who she wrote an article recently about how like she thought being humble was being quiet and not like disrupting things and then she learned that she wasn't going to go nowhere in her life if she didn't start being really loud about the things that were problematic and so that's I've, I actually kind of wanted to meet Kat because I saw her tweets. I 
was like, oh, she seems like really together. And I actually went to a UX class of hers. I paid to go listen to her talk about UX to just even try to meet her. Sure. So let's, uh, you know, you brought Cat up and, you know, this then segues into Brooklyn Gamery. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about how this all came together into Game Devs at Color Expo. All right, so we have since relocated. Uh, the coffee shop closed. Uh, so we're outside. We're, we're outside in New York. We're about a block away from where I grew up. That's uh, just pretty awesome. Yeah. It's a nice neighborhood. Do you, uh, so we were talking about Cat Small and Brooklyn Gamery. So uh, how does this experience, how, how did putting together GDOC feel? Yeah, so, I mean, it's funny because Chris, one of the organizers, he brought up, and I forgot about this, they started a, they had a, like a round table, like a race round table. That was cool. Like, we all kind of came out and did some stuff and talked about race. And then and then GDOC last year came about, like, for real. And it was more round tables. And, and then this year, I'm... Like, I don't know, you know, 100% of the behind-the-scenes stuff, but then they were like, hey, Sean, do you want to do this? And I said, yes, because I'm like, I have so much stuff to do, but I complain so much about the <laughs> lack of people at, like, GDC and everywhere else, basically, and the lack of, like, yeah, just people that are in the audience, the lack of, also just the lack of, like, maybe people being around other games, and uh, I... I try to help out on Facebook groups and stuff, and I try to give follows on Twitter and follow people, but I still feel like a lot of people don't, in the end, kind of understand what it's going to take for, like, true liberation in the space. Like, you know, working really hard at being excellent. Like, you can't make... Like, there are so many... Like, everyone's like, oh, man, the indie apocalypse, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, have you seen the music scene? The music scene was destroyed many times over we had we had disco which was destroyed and then we had LPs and now you have cassettes and you have CDs then you had Napster which killed music quote-unquote and you know people kind of learn that you stop making money off of or maybe you do make money off of individual albums sold maybe usually you have to be really at the top most people make their money off their merch their shows they put a lot of effort into what they're doing and many of them still quote-unquote fail or they're just like super niche uh, one of my favorite musicians, uh, this guy, Jimmy Yearn from Mindless Self-Indulgence, I really like them. He talked to me one day because now we, he, he's done like voiceover and stuff and music for games. And we ran into each other at E3, which after me going to his shows, he was just like, I realized I'm that niche musician who is never going to be like the top, right? And like that's that's interesting when someone that you look up to is like, I, and somebody that you wish would be successful isn't, and you know he's he's not black, but like there's often lots of black artists who don't like. There's many. There's some that you know we've got Basquiat, we've got like uh, who, who died soon after, and I just stumbled on Kerry James Marshall, who's an amazing painter who's been working for a very long time, and his thing was he actually learned how to make paint to paint, like that was part of his thing. And he just recently had like a two floor show at the Met Brower that I went to that changed my life. And it just kind of reaffirmed that, you know, to make art and, you know, games are art to me. I don't really care what other people think. <laughs> uh, that's, you have to, 
have to hit it as hard as possible. Like, not, you don't have to kill yourself, but you have to have, like, intent. You have to have your own form of quality control. Like, you have to have your own taste about it. Like, you do, like, you can disagree with other people's taste. You can say these games are trash, blah, blah, blah. But, like, there's kind of baseline things. You can make weird stuff, but you just have to really, really, really care. And I feel like because so many people are at, like, the cusp of even doing anything, because games take so much longer than making an album or making a painting. Like, you have to have so many extra skills and maybe put five years in where other people might put in six months or to a year. It just becomes that much more difficult. So, because I kind of think about that a lot, I think, and I struggle with trying to give people feedback and everything, when they said, do you want to do an event that's about, like, elevating black people and brown people in the game space, I basically had to say yes. Well, that's uh, fantastic. We only got a couple seconds left, so uh, thank you for talking about all this. Uh, real quick, where do people find you? Uh, I am ANU Challenger on Twitter. That's basically the pipeline to everything else that I do. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Sean. It's been awesome. Thank you. All right, folks, that does it for today's edition of IntelliGame Radio. I'm your host, Josh Boykin, and as always, you can find me on Twitter at WallStormer. If you're looking for more IntelliGame content, you can swing over to IntelliGame.us or find us on social media at Facebook or Twitter.com slash Let's IntelliGame. Don't forget that we have our weekly Let's Play series, Let's IntelliPlay, from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time over at Twitch.tv slash Let's IntelliGame. And also, don't forget that IntelliGames efforts are supported by listeners and viewers just like yourself. If you're interested in helping to support IntelliGame and keep the ship afloat, head over to patreon.com slash let's IntelliGame. Till next time, keep IntelliGaming.